This is 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. And now, with their always informative and often entertaining take on the sports news of the day, here are Jonathan Raggis and Jim Williams. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, Jim, he loves his turkey, Williams. What's going on, man? Happy turkey day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Turkey for me, turkey for you. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Welcome <laughs> aboard. Uh, it is uh, the pre-Thanksgiving show, actually our final show for the week, because we're going out on Black Friday and we're all going streaking. No, um, but... Uh, uh, thanks for listening in, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. Oh, we have a bit to get to, don't we, Mr. Raggis? Just a little bit. Yeah, we've got to talk about Monday Night Football, so we won't be derelicts with that. It wasn't much, really. Uh, we also have to uh, talk about a big deal in the world of media up above, what is that latitude, the 48th, the 38th, whatever the hell it is. Where the moose and the mounties and everything are. Hey, He's the Mountie, and he always gets his man. The fabulous Rougeau. Yes, Ray Rougeau, Jacques Rougeau, and Jacques Cousteau for some reason, yes. Uh, no, but uh, the NHL is going to be uh, getting some nice dollarage, even if it is Canadian, out of uh, Rogers Media. Big, mega. Big money. Well, big, mega TV deal. One of the biggest TV deals in North America, period, history. We'll tell you about that. We'll also tell you about... The Baseball Hall of Fame ballot that was announced yesterday, we're going to go through the ballot, because I'm going to make a not-so-bold prediction. There will be at least one Hall of Famer living who was inducted into Cooperstown in the summer of 2014. Uh, but there should be more, and there could be quite a few more, quite frankly. Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, all that, plus we're doing another start for game. And uh, by the way, I won the first one that we did. Shockingly, I had to make a substitution last second, so. But, but it didn't hurt me. It wasn't the main factor as to why I won. It's because I know so much about the association, rolled eyes and back of head. But we can't do this show without you. Well, we can, but we don't choose to. We want you to be a part of it. We have a chat room. Enter it. Gosh darn it. Yeah, I get lonely in there sometimes. Uh, well, that's you're, you are the king of Lonely Island. Yeah. You, you you sing Jack you, you sing all the parts of Jack Sparrow by yourself, man. It's it's not good. Uh, not good. Nah, nah. You can also call us at any point three four seven two three seven five three seven three. That's three four seven two three seven five three seven three. Click the Skype button as well to get in touch with us. And we're also going to pick the NFL Week Thirteen slate of games. But Absolutely. let's start with the end of Week 12's slate of games. Man, Monday Night Football was an abomination. You know, this was you know, this was basically a game. Unfortunately, somebody had to it win. It was a game, very good. Yes, it, it was. It was just a game. It wasn't a good game. Even though the Forty ers came out on top, twenty-seven to six over the Washington Redskins, and the Forty ers are now seven and four in the season. Redskins drop into three and eight. We finally got some glimpses of Colin Kaepernick throwing some touchdowns, but he still wasn't a quarterback in my eyes. I would agree with that. He is still trying to figure out what the heck he is, quite frankly. Frank Gore was held in check just 31 yards on the ground, Bolden yeah. with two touchdown grabs. Uh, but Kaepernick has still only shown at best glimpses of 
his prior greatness from late last season and into the playoffs. Maybe even that week one matchup uh, this season. Yeah, exactly. He hasn't been the same since week one. And, and, you know, that's going to hurt him down the road. Uh, The 49ers now drawing even with Arizona in the NFC West at 7-4. But if you look at the other side of things, there are people, and rightfully so, saying that Robert Griffin III should not be suiting up at this point. I, I, I don't think he should. Even after uh, week three, I thought it was time to shut him down. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah, who is that, Ahmad Brooks coming out saying, you know, he's a warrior, but he shouldn't even be playing? He shouldn't be. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's a mess. It's and a mess. this was just a uh, – was, well, it wasn't an entertaining game in my mind, Jim. It was uh, abysmal. It was abysmal. It was a game that somebody had to win, and, uh, you know, even with the bad quarterback, the 49ers, in my mind, are still a better team than the Washington Redskins. And uh, you saw it with Kaepernick throwing two touchdowns to Anquan Bolden, one to Vernon Davis. Um, you know, and you got a couple of kicks from Phil Dawson, and that gave them the 27 points they needed to defeat the Washington Redskins. So. There you go. Uh, simply put. Simply put. So I guess we go to tomorrow's Thanksgiving trifecta. Oh, yes. We've and- got afternoon, late afternoon, and evening. And I'll tell you this, all three games have playoff implications, but uh, the book-ending games are the most compelling ones to me, starting with the 12:30 affair because we're actually going to pick all the games right now. We are going to pick all the games because, like you said, we're not going to be here on Friday because some of us have second Thanksgiving. Others are going to be pitching tents and. Hey now, that's not the kind of show we do Thursday night. So. Oh, you mean outside? I see. I didn't know what you meant by that. That I thought that was going to be very offensive. That's not nice. That's that's that's, that's bad. Bad. That's a horrible. Experience. You need to see somebody about that. Jeff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I I'm going to my doctor, Doctor Vinny Boombot, after the show. Vinny Boombot. Isn't it even nice? All right. Let's uh, start with tomorrow's 12:30 Thanksgiving game, and that is the Green Bay Packers 5-5 five and five in the season, taking on the 6-5, and five. of course, who else plays on Thanksgiving? Detroit Lions. Who do you got in this one, Jim? Detroit has been falling off the face of the planet. Green Bay starting Matt Flynn in this game. I think that's going to be enough. I go with Green Bay on the road on Turkey Day, sacrilegious though it may be. I'm going to go with Green Bay as well. Um in my eyes, it wouldn't be a Thanksgiving without a Detroit Lions loss. So, <laughs> As much as I love Matt Stafford, as much as I, I, I love Megatron, probably my favorite football player going uh, between him and Larry Fitzgerald, it's so great to watch both of them play. They're just falling down, man. They're not looking like the Detroit Lions from earlier this season. So They are not. i got to go with the Packers. All right. All right, let's go move over to the 4.30 game tomorrow, and that is... The 4-7 and seven Oakland Raiders heading down to Texas to take on the 6-5. and five. Once again, wouldn't be a Thanksgiving day without the Dallas Cowboys. Who do you got in this one? I think the more important pick is, will anybody jump inside the Salvation Army oversized bowl? That's what I'm wondering. But um, I'm going to go there, with Dallas. you would volunteer for it. I, hey, I would donate my time and energy. And I've done the Salvation Army ringing of the bell. It's actually a lot of fun. And uh, those people who do that this time of year, God bless them. Uh, raising some good money for a good cause. I'm going to go with Dallas here. Uh, Oakland is just a bunch of retread also rans at this point. Uh, Dallas should win this one comfortably. Correct, correct. All right, let's go to this matchup. That's the uh, evening matchup tomorrow, and that is the 5-6. and six. Yes, the 5-6 and six Pittsburgh Steelers, the hot Pittsburgh Steelers at the moment, in Baltimore taking on the 5-6 and six Ravens. This is probably going to be the better matchup of the day, I think. I would tend to agree, and this is a toughie. This is a toughie. I have to say, though, I'm impressed that Big Ben is getting off the schneid. I'm going with the road team. I'm going with Pittsburgh. 
Going with Pittsburgh. Uh, as much as I hate to do it, I also have Pittsburgh. They are looking damn good right now. Roethlisberger actually looks like a quarterback. Isn't that amazing? The team is looking so much better than what, what were they, 0-5? They were left for dead. Yeah, they really Absolutely. were. And, uh, they showed, though. They showed that they could turn it around. Yeah. So, Jim, we both have the same teams winning on Thanksgiving. But that will probably change once we get to the Sunday games a little bit. We'll have some deviation here. Absolutely. By the way, shout out in our chat room, Mike Klaus, who is a math teacher who is working today in Cleveland. At least I think he's working today. He's joining us in the chat. He's uh, one of the CLW83 contributors. So Yeah. You just shout out to Klaus. Me, so the public uh, board of education just heard that. And... Well, and he's been fired. Oh, he's not working today. Well, God bless. Oh, that's right, because of the big nor'easter from hell. I forgot. Yeah, well. <laughs> and he's now fired. Thank you, Jim Williams, for yes. the person on the unemployment line. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And speaking of Cleveland, let's start with this game. His Cleveland Browns play host to the up-and-coming resurgent Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars. Yes, Jaguars. Jaguars. Hop up. I don't know. i got to go with Cleveland with this one. Yeah, I have to. Even with Brandon Whedon at quarterback, uh, I've got to go with Cleveland. I just have to do it, man. Just have to do it. All right, man, let's go to uh, this game, which uh, this team has been a shock. The 5-6 and six Tennessee Titans taking on the 7-4 the and now four Indianapolis Colts, who are just drowning right now. And I don't know what they took, but they're taking on the Titans. Man. What do you got in this one? Call me crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> I'm going with the Titans in an upset. Titans in the upset. Wow. Because Indianapolis is really – I mean. They have no running game. Colby Fleener is their best wide receiver. Tennessee's not that great a team, but I have a feeling Chris Johnson's going to have a day. I just have a feeling he's going to wake up again from his tryptophan coma a couple of days earlier. I'm going Tennessee, the team that currently at 5-6 and six is the number six seed in the AFC playoff picture. Uh, Tennessee has a lot to play for. Indy, eh, not as much, so I'm going with the Titans. I'm going to go with Indianapolis, man. I, I just don't think they're as bad as, as they look <laughs> on on game days. And uh, it is the Tennessee Titans, and it is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and it's a guy I just don't trust at the quarterback helm. I think the defense could come up with uh, a couple of picks here on uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and really help guide this team to uh, a win they desperately need right now, Jim. So I'm going to go Indianapolis. There's one difference. It is. All right, man, let's go here at the AFC East Clash here with the 5-6 and six Dolphins taking on the 5-6 and six New York Jets. The Jets falling apart right now. Jim, who do you got in this one? They have foot and mouth disease, ladies and gentlemen. I got to go with Miami. Uh, Tannehill to Mike Wallace is your hookup holler. If you hear me, I'm going with the Dolphins. Unfortunately, I'm going to go with the Dolphins as well, and uh, I'm not only doing that hoping that I'm picking against the Jets and they'll pull out a win here, but I think this is a team the Jets can beat, so I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets win on Sunday, but they just look so bad the last two games. I just can't pick them right now. Understood. I just can't. I really can't. Mm-hmm. All right, man, the 6-5 Chicago Bears taking on the 2-8 and eight Minnesota Vikings. Now... The, Bear, the Bears have been a mess. Yeah. Everybody in the NFC North has been a mess ever since Aaron Rodgers uh, got 86th 
from the Packers there. Hmm. I'm going to pick Chicago begrudgingly, but I can see this going either way. I really can. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Minnesota. Oh, he's going to pull the trigger. Oh! I think this is a a game where, uh, you know, we saw them last week. They played some good football, Minnesota. This is a game I think uh, we could see uh, Adrian Peterson take over, man. I'm not too uh, enthusiastic with uh, McCown. I'm really not. I'm not saying that uh, he can't beat the Minnesota Vikings defense, but I think it's going to come down to uh, the running game between Matt Forte and Adrian Peterson. And you know what? Adrian Peterson's the better running back, so... Mm-hmm. I'm okay. going to go there. All right, man. Just go there, girlfriend. Let's move it over to the Battle of the Birds right after Turkey Day. We got the Arizona Cardinals, 7-4. and four. Yes, 7-4 and four Arizona Cardinals taking on the 6-5. and five. Now led Nick Foles, Philadelphia Eagles. About damn time, chipper. You think? <laughs> I try not to. It hurts my head. This is tough because Arizona always seems to have the Eagles number. Yeah. I, and I, I, the one moment I have that's instilled in my mind isn't even the playoff game recently, a couple of years ago. It's the opening day game, I want to say it was like either 01 or 02, when the Eagles went up by three touchdowns only to lose. It's like, yep, vintage Eagles. No. Um, this is a pick'em game. This is a pick'em game to me. It is. I'm going to begrudge, well, not begrudgingly. I'm going to pick Philadelphia because I think their running game is going to get the job done. But I can easily see Arizona coming up and getting another win here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you here, but I'm going with Arizona. But I'm with you with in regards of I think any of these teams could win. Uh, it's a pick 'em. It's an absolute pick 'em game because Arizona has a lot to prove. Philadelphia yes. has a lot to prove. Both teams do. Oh, they absolutely do. You know, both teams are on a high right now. There's no question about that. Carlson Palmer's looking real good. I would have to possibly uh, – you know what? The reason why I'm going to Arizona is I don't trust Chip Kelly. I don't trust the way he's going to use LaShawn McCoy. I, I don't, we don't know how he's going to use him game in and game out. Is and the other aspect – plus, you know, carries, or he's going to stop off at the 15 mark again. And the other aspect, as we saw against Washington two weeks ago – they don't know how to close a game. They don't. That's that's what's infuriating, shall we say. They don't. And honestly, if they go back to what they did last week, they split the carries between Mendenhall and Ellington, and if they can get 50-plus from each running back, They're I think in, that's going to be sufficient enough for the Arizona Cardinals to win this game. And Fitzgerald isn't even the number one wide receiver in Arizona right no, now. No, but he's getting those touchdowns, man. He's, getting, he's getting his looks, absolutely. Yeah, Michael Floyd is the one getting all the uh, looks now. So Yeah, and uh, but I will say the Philadelphia defense, not so much against the run, but mainly against the pass, has really done a lot better the last four or five weeks. Uh, so. They really have, man, especially since from the beginning of the season. Absolutely. It's been a night and day difference. Oh, yeah. All right, man, let's move it on. The 3-8 uh, and eight Tampa Bay Buck. Buccaneers taking on the hot 8-3 Carolina Panthers coming off of that uh, win against the uh, New England Patriots. Who you got in this one? Now, this could be – now, you may say I'm nuts for saying this. This could be a trap game for Carolina because here's Tampa Bay. They've got nothing to play for. They've got nothing to lose, and they're actually playing decent football. Their record is really not as indicative of how they play. They really could easily have five or six wins this season. They could. Mm-hmm. Still – I think Carolina gets by, but this one would be. Um, I, I wonder what the line is, as I often say. They probably don't even have it set. Carolina by nine. Carolina by as nine. I think this. I think this is a three, four point game, really. 
Yeah, I think Carolina I, squeaks by. You know, I think it could. You know, I honestly think it could go either either way. But I think Carolina is just coming off of such a high right now. I think they're really going to ride that. Uh, you know, that big win over New England. I got to go Carolina. I, I just don't think uh, Tampa Bay is enough to stop them at the moment if uh, other teams can't. Uh, Mike Lennon, very serviceable quarterback. Are, are they going to keep it close? I think Buccaneers keep it close, but the Panthers come away with the victory. Fair enough. All right, the 8-3 and three New England Patriots taking on the 2-9 and nine Houston Texans in Houston, New England, with the line as of now by 9. Give me 10, as in 10 consecutive losses for Houston. New England should win this one going away. New England? No brainer. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons two and nine taking on the four and seven Buffalo Bills, and in my mind, this is a pick'em game as well at the moment. Uh, I never thought I'd say EJ Manuel is the better quarterback in this game, uh, you know, but he is, I, I think he's the better quarterback. I think uh, EJ Manuel's got the better targets right now. Right now, oh, definitely. I wouldn't uh, say he's the better quarterback. Uh, but, you know, as we saw in the last game, they kept it kind of close, Atlanta, in that, in that loss. Um, I don't know, man. It's, uh, I'm gonna it's go the Bills. With the, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bulls instead of the Buffalo Bills, but I'll go with Buffalo begrudgingly. Yeah, I'm going to go with Atlanta. I just, you know, as bad as Atlanta is, I don't think the Bills are a 4-7 and seven football team. I just, I really don't. And this is the Buffalo Bills who we've seen always play semi-decently at the beginning of the season. We get towards the middle, getting towards the end, and guess what? They're the Buffalo Bills again. So um, I, I think this is a game the Falcons can win if they play it smart. So I am going to put my uh, butt on the line here and go with... Uh, All righty. Well, your butt's on the line. Well, this is in Toronto, correct? Uh, that I'm not sure of. Hold I am second. not privy to such information. Hold on. Hold. We will find out. Yeah, they are playing uh, in Toronto for the International Series at the Rogers Center. So, yeah, And Toronto is still courting the Bills to come over there full time. So. Yeah. yeah, so uh, either way, it's not hey. either home for either team. So uh, if, if the CFL couldn't make it down here, you know, remember when Baltimore had a CFL team in the 90s? Um, you, know, I mean, I, you know what, I still think we can get a couple of teams up in, in uh, Canada, and I, and I think they would prosper. It depends on what teams they are. If they're, if they're well, crappy... well Toronto's really not Canada. I know I'm going to get hate mail for that, but Toronto is a cosmopolitan city if ever there was one. So. Yeah, I mean, even, even so, man, even if they put one in, in Ottawa, who knows? Uh, I, I Ottawa? honestly think the oh. NFL could prosper in, in no, yeah, but I'd love to see the, the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders join the NFL. That'd be fun. Some awesome. of those teams are real good in the CFL, man. Oh, yeah, the Grey Cup was uh, this past weekend, I believe. The Grey Cup. All right, man, let's move on to 5-6. and six. St. Louis Rams taking on the 7-4 49ers coming off that short week. Who do you got here? Oh, I think this is a no-brainer. St. Louis. I agree. I, I think St. Louis is riding. They're riding dirty. As the kids They're say. riding their running backs. Yeah, Stacy Cunningham. I mean... I think St. Louis wins this, and I don't think it's as close as people might think. I agree. I mean, Colin Kaepernick is is not what he once was. They found the antidote to Frank Gore. The defense not bad in San Francisco. That's what's winning. That's what's gotten them to seven and four. It hasn't been the offense, and St. Louis is really getting set for making a run next year. Kellen Clemens, he doesn't need to do a whole heck of a lot to get the job done. I'm going St. Louis on the road, no less. I'm going St. Louis as well. Don't trust the 49ers, man. Don't trust Colin Kaepernick. So. Indeed. Gotta go with, yes, I am saying it, Kellen Clemens. True, eh? That's what you gotta go with. Too All right, man. 9-2 and two Denver Broncos taking on the 9-2 and two Chiefs. We got the matchup here again. Jim, 
and I don't see Denver losing this one. Way back when, a couple of weeks back, I said this was going to be a home-and-home home split. But that was before Kansas City ended up losing a couple of members of their defense. And this was also before San Diego absolutely carved a new one in a 41-38 shootout. Mm. I think Denver wins this one. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree with your points. And also, this is, uh, you know, that happened before Denver lost that game to New England, man. I think Peyton Manning's going to make it. You know, make it happen. He's he's going to make this win happen. They want to be ten and two. Um, I think you're going to see the Chiefs drop to nine and three after this game. Jim Nance is going to be very happy while announcing this. He'll be saying, "Hello, friend." Jim Nance. Hello, Peyton. Would you like a Papa John's pizza, Frank? Papa John's pizza. All right, man. Seven and four Bengals taking on the five and six San Diego Chargers. I could go with Andy Dalton or Philip Rivers. You know, who I'm going with. I'm going with Dollar Phil, San Diego in an upset. I'm going with San Diego as well, man. I'm 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 riding Rivers this year, man. I like him. I I just think he's he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and I think you take up uh, you know take Philip Rivers off of this team and you put him on possibly any other team in the league, man. And you know what? You'll see a better record than five and six, man. So now, now put me on record for saying this right sure. now before week thirteen. Of the teams that are log jammed at five and six right now, San Diego's I think third or fourth overall yeah. in the playoff picture. Out of the out of the puzzle right now, but still in it very much. I think they're the team that's most likely to get the six seed. I agree. Uh, because as we saw when we're going over the games, Miami and the Jets are going to beat each other up. Uh, Tennessee and uh, well, two of the other teams are going to beat each other up. Yeah. Uh, so I, San Diego controls their own fate, more or less, as far as I'm concerned. I think San Diego wins this one. Yeah, perfect game at home as well. So. Oh, absolutely. Yep, I got the chat. And, and the thing is, as we saw in, in the game against Kansas City, they're not doing it with the old guard. They're not doing it with, with Antonio Gates. They're spreading the ball around while Rivers flourishes. Yeah. Everybody's in on the act. Yeah. 22 touchdowns on the year, uh, 3381 yards for uh, Philip Rivers, 281 and three, 397. Man, he's having himself a good season. So absolutely, it's, it's nice to see. I always like Philip Rivers. Nah, All it. right, man. Here we go. Teams. Uh, here we go. A matchup of two miserable teams yet again. The four and seven New York Giants taking on the three and eight Washington Redskins, and what a way to end football <laughs> Sunday, poor people. Wow, they they couldn't flex anything better, could yeah. they? Yeah. No. I I wish I wish they would have uh, moved that Bengals Chargers game up to the eight thirty game. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was protected. I guess yeah, it wasn't. Um, if the Giants can't beat the Redskins. <laughs> They should just pack it up, fold it in, and Tom Coughlin should be fired. Agreed. Right then and there, New York. Agree. New York as well. Uh, Washington Redskins are just miserable. All right, man. We'll pick. Uh, we'll talk about Monday's game on Monday. Oh, you don't want to do? You don't want to do it now? Nah, we'll do it Monday. All right. Give it for Monday. Why not? Give it for Monday. Give people something to listen for. Something to listen for. All right, Jim. Guess what? Goulet. We've been speaking some MLB hot stove. Yes. But guess what? Now what? it's time to talk Baseball Hall of Fame as the new ballot has been released. Yes, it has been. Got uh, a bunch of first-timers. 19 new candidates, highlighted, of course, by the one-two combo of Atlanta for many years, Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin. What we're going to do is we actually have the full ballot in front of us, and we're going to go right down alphabetical order, including first-timers, and we'll just cherry-pick who we believe are Hall of Fame caliber players, even if they'll get in on their first time. Yeah. That kind of thing. 
So let's start this off. I'll, I'll, I'll set it up, and you take it and knock it out of the park as best you can. Some of these are very obvious. Some of these we're going to debate. Number one on the list alphabetically is a first-timer, Moises Alou. Many great years in Montreal. With the Cubs. With the Cubs, too. With yeah. the Mets. Had himself a uh, good couple of seasons with the Mets. I, I, I've always liked Moises Alou as a player. I thought he was a... A good, serviceable player, 17 years in the league. We look at his numbers, 332 home runs, 1,200-plus uh, RBIs from the outfield spot. Is he a Hall of Fame player? Well, he doesn't get in on the first ballot. That's he doesn't it. get in the first ballot. There's no question about that. He doesn't, doesn't even get, get in. But I'm looking at it from the point of, is Moises Alou a Hall of Fame player? As much as I hate to say it, no, he's not. He's Hall of Very Good. He's Hall of Very Good. Um, if you take took a lot of names off of this list, I would say yes, Moises Alou can get into the Hall of Fame. It's a stack ballot this year as yes. we're going to go forward. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't get in. Jeff Bagwell, who has been on the ballot a couple of times, uh, of course, associated with the steroid era, but of course he was one member of the Killer Bees. Killer Bees! Yes. All right, man, 15 years in the league, all with the Houston Astros. Uh, 449 home runs, 1,500-plus RBIs. I think he gets into the Hall of Fame eventually. He's not going to get in on this ballot. Eventually, I agree. I, I, you know, he, he won't get in. It may take seven or eight ballots, but I think he'll get in eventually. Yeah. Next, your boy, first-timer on the list, Armando Benitez. Oh, boy. Uh, move on. No, he doesn't get in. Thank you. Like, and I, I honestly don't think Armando Benitez is he's a, crumb bum. a Hall of Famer. I wouldn't say he's a crumb bum. He he's was a, a very crumb. serviceable player. There uh, are more crumb bums on this list. 11 right? games short of 300 saves, which I think if he topped 300 in his 15 years, we could talk Hall of Fame type of, of, of player. He's not making it ever. Well, well, that and plus you have to understand also how many closers are in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. Not many. Like Eckersley, and that's about it. If Lee Smith can't get in, and he deserves to be in, let the record No question about it. You know, but, you know, it's going to take Mariano Rivera getting in to open the door for closers to be taken seriously. That's what I think happens. Here's a guy who should have gotten in last year, in my humble opinion, Craig Biggio. Absolutely. 3,000 hits with the Astros. I don't think he gives it on this ballot, but he probably will next year. He is an absolute Hall of Fame player. was devastated that Craig Biggio didn't get in last year. Um, and, of course, we'll talk about why he didn't get in with our next uh, name. Uh, taking votes away. And, uh, you know, what? he's definitely, he's absolutely going to get in. And if he gets in on this one, that's awesome. But I don't think he's going to get in on this one. Who, Biggio? Yeah. yeah, correct. And then there's Barry Bond. And here Nobody- we go. Nobody questions how good of a player he was. It's, of course, the dope. The dope, the steroids. The attitude, also. Remember, these are the writers who make this pick. And Barry Bonds and the media never really jived together. No. No, they didn't. You know, like I said, like you said, the dope, the steroids, the HGH, the PEDs, the lies, the constant criticism of the media, uh, you you know, the jerkiness. Of Barry Bonds, and that's how I define his his whole career as as not a player, but as a person, mm-hmm. a, a huge jerk. Um, no, I, I, he's not a Hall of Fame player in my book. I'm sorry. I would tend to agree with you there. 
Next, we have another first-timer for your consideration, the mayor, Sean Casey. Many years of those Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, no. I, I like Sean Casey as a player. I thought he was a very serviceable uh, first baseman, especially in his early years with the Cincinnati Reds. He's not a Hall of Fame player. He's in the Hall of Halfway Decent. He, it, halfway Decent, absolutely. Yes. Now, here's a name that's going to, uh, you know... Not unlike Barry Bonds, but I think he will ultimately get in. Roger Clemens. I don't think he gets in. I hope you're right, but I have a feeling that there are going to be enough writers who who look at things and say, he did enough before the allegations and everything confirmed. I I just think he ultimately will get in towards the end of his... uh, Listen, there's, there's been a lot of players that have missed being in the Hall of Fame that deserved being in the Hall of Fame, Roger Clemens doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, don't get me Numbers wrong. Wise, absolutely. But everything else surrounding his career, and I, I honestly think you put any of these types of guys in the Hall of Fame, you're just shaming the legacy of so many amazing players that have done it the right way. I agree. By, but but I just have a, it's just a hunch feeling. I, I'm with you. Trust me, I'm with you on this. It's just a hunch feeling. I'm he doesn't go in, and I think if the writers put him in, I, I think they know the outlash that they would uh, receive from their readers if, if they did it. And I just don't see it happening. In his first time on the ballot next, uh, a, a member of the Hall of Role Players at best, Ray Durham. Hall of Role Players, I like that. I, I liked Ray Durham. Ray Durham was a very, very serviceable player. I thought he was a, a good second baseman, for uh, especially in his years with the Chicago White Sox in the 90s. Um, good player. Um, it's nice to see his name on the ballot, Jim, because he's a good guy, very good player. He's a good. Hey, he could be a twenty-four-seven good guy. You never know. Exactly, but he is whole of role players. Yes. Next, we go to another first ballot. We're going to have several first ballots in a row here. The Hall of Canadian Closer Hall of Fame. I think he'll be in. Eric Gagne. What? Remember that great year he had with the Dodgers. What? Yeah. Seriously, no. He had he had three good years in Major League Baseball. Um. His name shouldn't even be on this ballot. Well, remember everything, everything being everything. As long as, like, like for the Ford Frick Award, as long as you've announced baseball games for ten years, you're eligible for the Ford Frick Award. So everything's relative. Unbelievable. Now here's a guy who is always a question mark. He he's a question mark on this first ballot. Tom Glavin. And here's my opinion: if you're going to induct Greg Maddox, which I think is a no-brainer, and he may he may break the record for for. Uh, Getting as close to 100% as possible. Yeah. If you induct Maddox, you have to induct Lavin, Sam, here, in my opinion. I, One I, goes with the other. They got to go in together. Um, it would be, it, it's copacetic to me. They, there, there is no question about it that they have to go in together. And this is uh, also, when I, when I look at it, um, you know, I, I wish John Smoltz was on this ballot. Smoltz is next year. Yeah, I I, honestly, I, I would love to see all three get in together. And I think if Galavin and Maddox doesn't get it on his ballot and Smoltz is on it next year, the writers have to figure out a way to put all three of these guys in together. I'm going to tell you right now, as great as Smoltz was, he's going to have a bit of a problem getting in. Cause he he, he, have, he's he's going to have a problem, but you know what? I, I, I think John Smoltz is a, is a Hall of Fame worthy. I, I would lean towards saying that myself, but he doesn't have nearly as many wins. He ended up having to change at the end of his career from a starter to a closer, and he was effective. I don't doubt that, but mm. that's going to hurt his cause ultimately from being a first ballot. But but back to Tom Glavin, I think he gets in. I think he gets in, and I, as I do you. There's there's no question about it. I don't I don't know if it's going to be on this ballot, but he absolutely gets in. 
Now we go to Arizona. Their first legitimate Hall of Fame candidate, if you want to call it that, Lugo, Luis Gonzalez. Gonzo. He's, I think, Hall of Very Good. He... I mean, he was that franchise from its existence. Hall of Very Good. He had good years, but he's not Hall of Fame caliber to me. I I have to agree with you. I, I I honestly don't think he is Hall of Fame caliber. Hall of Hall of borderline very good, we'll say. Borderline very good. I I I, I would definitely do that. Yeah, absolutely. I would give and that. And then there's your boy who you laughed at seeing this, Jock Jones. No, no. Let's move on. No. Todd Jones. No. I, I I laugh at that as well. Move on. Now this is going to be interesting. San Francisco Giant extraordinaire Jeff Kent, first ballot for him as well. He's he he's a Hall of Fame worthy player, Jeff Kent. Uh, I I I honestly believe he is. Not going to get on this ballot. He's not going to get on next year's ballot. He's gonna. It's going to take one of the last ballots for him to get on. I would agree. Um, but you know what? It also depends who is on that ballot that's going to compete against Jeff Kent. Um, if if there's a lot of competition on there, he's not going to get in. But Jeff Kent absolutely, I think, deserves to be in the uh, Hall of Fame, and he has to go in as a uh, San Francisco Giant. Well, of course, absolutely. Um, I, I think I, I think you're on the money there. It's going to take a while for him to even get in mm-hmm. because he. I mean, he was a consistent player. He was never eye dazzling when it comes to stats or defense. He was good defensively. He was good offensively. He wasn't great, but he was consistent. He did it over a number of years, Correct. and that has to be valued for something. Correct. A man who's busy with the. Uh, Horse racing analysis these days. <laughs> Former catcher Paul LaDuca moving on. Yeah. We talked about Greg Maddox. I, I think he's a slam dunk this year. Slam freaking dunk. I, I would I would believe so, but at the same time, too, I kind of worry nobody's going to get him because I think there's going to no. be a lot of votes going to Vigio, a lot going to Glavin, a lot going to Maddox, and a couple oh. of names that we're going to talk about later. I think it's going to take away from, from Maddox really propelling in, 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 into the Hall of Fame. Well, remember, the way, the, for, for those who don't know, the way it's done, uh, 259 writers, they yeah. each get a ballot, and they can write in as many as 10 of these people on the ballot as Hall of Famers. They can choose up to 10. They don't have to choose any. They can keep their ballot empty. Yeah. But they can fill in as many as 10 names to be submitted as Hall of Famers. So because of that, I, I think Maddox is a lock. And he may, he he'll get ninety plus percent easy easy in my eyes. I hope. I, I mean, it, it would be nice. I I honestly think he deserves to be in uh, over a lot of these guys. So. And you talk about people who deserve to be in, and I'm not just saying this because I have a lot of friends in the Seattle area, but if you're going to if you're going to show love to the designated hitter, this man deserves to be in because he is the greatest designated hitter in the history of the game, Edgar Martinez. I mean, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I, you know what? I guess if we're going to, uh, you know, praise the DH uh, position, uh, Edgar Martinez has to get in. There's no question about it. He has to. I mean, listen, when when Big Poppy calls it a career, is he going to get in? Absolutely. And he is, you know, the DH of DHs right now. Oh, right now, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, Edgar Martinez purloined the concept of being a de- great designated hitter. So. I th- it'll take a while, of course, but I think he gets in eventually. I hope he gets in eventually. Yeah. Well, you know, as, as well, though, 
David Ortiz's field did a hell of a lot more than Edgar Martinez. I mean, well, that's I think he's only played first base, what, like 28 times in his career, Edgar Martinez? Uh, yeah, see, you know, that's about how many uh, Ortiz has yeah. played in the last few years, but yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you, you look at David Ortiz, he's, he's, you know, been at first base uh, almost 300 times in his career. So Right. I mean, he started as a first baseman. And, yeah. 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 You know, and I think uh, on that, you know, you know, putting that into the factor, both first base and DH, David Ortiz absolutely gets in. Uh, and then there's Donnie Ballgame. Mm, this is tough. God Mattingly. You know, I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but I think there's a lot better on the ballots that are always on it, ballots over his name. And, and, and that's what keeps him out of it. And that's the same thing that happens with our next candidate as well, Fred McGriff. There is no question about that. I said it last year, man. It, it was a damn shame that Craig Biggio and Fred McGriff didn't get into the Hall of Fame. Fred McGriff should just get in the Hall of Fame for those baseball world back-to-back-to-back commercials he did in the 90s. The, the crime dog. This is the video that gets results. <laughs> that was the greatest thing. That, that was the greatest. Top of Manski's baseball world. <laughs> hey, Kenny Bain kept them in the public consciousness. So God bless him for no that. No question about it. Uh, Mattingly, I would put McGriff over Mattingly. I, I would. I, I honestly would. I thought McGriff, uh, you know what, when I looked back at both of those players, you know, both phenomenal players, don't get me wrong, I take... Either one on my team any day, but if I had, you know, if I had first pick in a draft and McGriff and Don Maddenly were the two hottest commodities, I, I would take McGriff over Maddenly. Because McGriff gives you pop. He gives you pop no off the bat. No question about it. No question yeah. about it. He had some pop on him, man. And then there's Mark McGuire, who again goes back into the quagmire that is the PED steroid yeah. era, the Andro and everything. Does, doesn't deserve it. Not even going to waste the time on him. Last ballot for this next man, Jack Morris. And we talked about this pre-show. In the 80s and into the early 90s, if you had a Game 7 situation, and of course there were some where he was used, and you needed a pitcher, you put Jack Morris on the mound. No question about it. He should be in. He won't get in on this ballot. He'll have to wait for the Veterans Committee in a couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame. This guy really deserves to be in the Hall of Fame like we you know, spoke about pre-show, Jim. He's, he's a winner. No matter where he has gone, he has won with the Tigers with the Twins going to the Blue Jays for a year, becoming the you know a World Series MVP, uh, you know the guy is a winner. Jack Morris has been such a big name in baseball. He 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 really deserves to be in here, and it's a shame he's not. Let me go back for a second because this this name was kicked around in the past on the ballot because he 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 went the 15 years and didn't get in. Same sort of treatment for Burt Blylevin. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, just, absolutely. Just, just saying. All right. Absolutely. Uh, first time on the ballot for the longtime Baltimore Oriole, Mike Mussina. You know, good pitcher. I think I would put Mike Mussina in the hole of very good. In very good, because he was a very, very good pitcher. Do I deem him a Hall of Fame pitcher? I think I could if you got, you know, all these people off the ballot. If you took off Greg Maddox, if you took off Jack Morris, if you took off Tom Glavin, next year who's going to be on it? You take off John Smoltz and whoever other other starting pitchers are going to be on it. I would put Mike Mussina in. I don't think he ever makes it because of that. I think I, I disagree slightly. I think he eventually gets in. He actually had more strikeouts than uh, than Glavin uh, in his career, yeah. and uh, he didn't get to 300 wins if I'm not mistaken. Mussina, uh, I think, fell just short. Musina uh, had 270 wins on his career, 153 losses. Good record, very good record. Yeah. Um, I think he gets in probably eighth, ninth, tenth ballot. 
here's somebody who will never get on the ballot and get in Hideo Nomo. And what a shame, because remember when he came up in the mid-'90s? Oh, it was he amazing was watching him play. Nomo mania in Los Angeles. It was yeah. insane. He was, but, he, he was a damn good pitcher of uh, his first few years with the Dodgers. But he flamed out. Eh, you know what, man? He went to Boston. You know, he had you know he won those thirteen games. He came back with the Dodgers, and uh, he won sixteen games apiece in two seasons. So, yeah. you know, good pitcher, but he's not a Hall of Fame pitcher. Uh, there, there's no question about it. Rafael Palmero will skip for the obvious reasons, and you might want to skip the next name. I don't know. This is your boy Piazza. From you know what? From a catcher standpoint, Mike Piazza deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think eventually he'll make it, but it ain't going to be for a very, very long time. What what it comes down to, of course, is he was never implicated, but the back knee allegations. Yeah, but you know what, man? There's been, you know, a lot of those, too, about a lot of other players on this ballot. So, you know what? If, you know, if we're going to touch it that way, um, yeah, I mean, you know what? Any one of these players could have done stuff and just never got caught. I mean, that's that's the honest to God truth. Great Maddox could have done stuff. Tom Glavin could have done stuff. Fred McGriff. We don't know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm operating on, on these names because we don't know about them that they never did. Um, never doing anything, Mike Piazza. Don't know if he did or did not. His numbers speak for himself, though. He, he's, he's a Hall of Fame catcher. There's no question about it. See, I'm hesitant to put him in. Because everybody's going to say, oh, no catcher has hit more home runs than him. But keep in mind, if if Johnny Bench played in the 90s and 2000s, he would have hit as many home runs as Piazza, if not more. Possibly. Yeah. So I, I think everything's relative. Yeah, but you know what, Dan, but then you could also argue, too, if we put Mike Piazza in Johnny Bench's era, could he have, you know, swung the bat like Johnny Bench? Could he have duplicated Johnny Bench's number or even been a little better than Johnny Bench? So That's true. You know. Ultimately, he will probably get in. It'll take a little while. Um, Tim Raines. Hmm. Love Tim Raines as a player, man. I really sure. did. I really did. He 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 was a great player, man. He played so many years in in Major League Baseball. Sabermetricians love him. You know, is is he a Hall of Fame player? Wow, um, that's tough, he's, man. He's a borderline. He's absolutely borderline. He's a border, I, I don't I don't necessarily know if his numbers speak Hall of Fame from an outfield standpoint. I mean, this is a guy that only had 170 home runs and under a thousand ribby in his long 23-year career. so It was more defense for him. He yeah, was yeah. More it, it really was. It really was. I, I, I think he is a Hall of Fame player. Does he ever make it? I honestly don't know. I don't think he ever gets in. Yeah. Because, you know, sad to say, when you're a writer in Major League Baseball for and voting, offense weighs more than defense, it, it, in, especially in the outfield position. No question. Because outfielders are deemed the type that can hit 30, 40 bombs a year. And if you consistently do that 10 or so years, you're almost assured uh, conversation points. Yeah. So I don't think he gets in, and that's a shame. Kenny Rogers gets in the Hall of Fame for pushing cameramen. Kenny uh, Rogers is a bum. He's a, no. Oh, actually, we haven't heard from him in a while. Uh, Mayor, uh, Mr. Mayor, uh, what do you think of Kenny Rogers? You're less than a man. That's right. Okay, you're a crumb creep. You're a real crumb bum. You're yes. a... <laughs> He's a bum. He is. He really is a bum. And listen, the day you see a, a, a pitcher get in with a 4.27 ERA, man, is... Uh, that's the day hell freezes. That's over. The, 
that's the day uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Shame actually looks good. So. That's the day the new Rock and Rollers get in the WWE Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Um, Kurt Schilling, another controversial name. Very controversial. Uh, is he a Hall of Fame pitcher, though? I, 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 don't, I don't think so, Jim. I really don't. Good numbers, 216, 146. He has a 3.46 ERA. I just, it, it, it's based mostly on his postseason. Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, you cannot deny he was a, a oh, very yeah, it's, effective it's postseason. postseason pitcher. No question about it. He is a postseason pitcher with an 11-2 and record, 223 ERA. But is winning 11 games in the postseason enough to propel you into the Hall of Fame? I, I don't It doesn't know. counteract the fact that you didn't get to 250 in your career in the regular season. Yeah. I, I think I, I say no. Yeah, I, I, again, I say no as well. If he does get in... I don't think I would necessarily be upset about it, but if guys like Jack Morris never get in and guys like John Smoltz never get in, but Kurt Schilling does, I think I'd be upset over it. I'd be upset if, if Schilling is in over Morris. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd be almost livid. We were talking about this pre-show about names that are in the Hall of, uh, all the Hall of Fame ballad for the first time that make you say, Huh? Richie Sexton, who had a couple of good years there in Milwaukee. You know what? Serviceable player. I liked Richie Sexton when he was playing. I liked watching him play when he was with the Brew Crew. And, uh, you know, I, but guess what? There was a lot of serviceable players that aren't Hall of Flame players. And guess what? He shouldn't even be on a ballot, man. I'm sorry. We mentioned this next name, and again, again, he should be in. No question. Lee Smith. No question. He, I mean, if you put Eckersley in, and granted he wasn't solely a closer, but if you're going to, you know, we're going to have Rivera in first ballot, of course, if not for this man, there would not be a Mariano Rivera, in my humble opinion. Because Lee Smith really started putting down in the 80s and 90s what a closer is. Yeah. Lee Smith's got to be in. in my no opinion. question about it. But no. he won't be. Not He's got to be. No, not this year, absolutely Also not. not going in on his first ballot will be J.T. Snow. Yeah, listen, if, uh, if he goes in, it's for uh, saving the life of Darren Baker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. There you go. Sammy Sosa, let's just skip it. Yeah, thank you. First time on the ballot for the Big Hurt, Frank Thomas. He gets in eventually. I think he gets in first ballot. I, I don't I don't think so. I, I think, honestly don't. It, it'll be close, but I think he gets in just above the with 75%. The, with the way they pick and choose these writers and the way we've seen nobody go into the Hall of Fame or just one person going, I think if anybody gets in off of this ballot, it's going to be possibly Greg Maddox, and he's going to be alone. He won't be alone. I think you've got three people on this ballot. I think you've got Maddox, I think you've got Glavin, and I think you've got Frank Thomas, because Thomas was never implicated, and his physique had been the same his entire career. He played the game the right way. Always, you know, I, I think Frank Thomas is, I wouldn't say a certifiable lock, but I think he just gets in above the 75% for threshold. Oh, yeah, he's got the numbers. I mean, there's no question about it. I just don't think he's going to get in first ballot. I really don't. Well, we'll see. You know, if I'm wrong, that's great. More power to him. I think uh, Big Thomas was a phenomenal player. Loved watching him play. Big Thomas. There you go. Mike Timlin, let's just skip him. Alan Trammell. Ooh. You know, one. that's. That's that's a name, man. I, I look at when it's on the ballots, and I, I just say, eh. De- he was Detroit in those lean years. There's no question about it. But uh, he he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't have the Hall of Fame numbers, man. I think he's just on the outside looking. Yeah, I mean, 155 I, I, homers, 
just oh, just three RBIs over a thousand, two eighty five batting average defense. Good, good defender. He was a good hitter, but he wasn't, uh, he was you know, a, a score driving hitter. So he was a top of the lineup hitter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. When he played. Yeah, so that, he, that's that's part of it. He was a very good shortstop, no question about it. Absolutely, Hall uh, of very good. Alan Trammell and Tim Raines are in the same boat. They really, really are. Hall of very good, no question. And then finally, Larry Walker. Um, I don't think he gets in. Do we put Larry Walker in with Dante Bichette? Uh, I don't, Ooh, I don't know. Um, nah, he doesn't get yeah. it, man. He's 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 not a, a, a Hall of Fame. So, you, so so let's recap this. You believe Maddox is the only one who gets in in 2014? I think so. I honestly think so. But I also think there's a lot of names here that are going to pull numbers away. And I think uh, I think Maddox doesn't reach that 90 percent, man, on that first ballot. I just for some reason, man, I I don't trust these writers, man. I think a lot of them have their own agenda. I think I think it, when it comes to the writers, they will take the first year, many of them, and say, nope, I'm making a statement. And then after that, they take a look at the numbers, dig deeper, and actually use their brains a little bit. And I'm, Listen, in my mind, there are seven players on here that absolutely deserve to be in the Hall of Fame if they can make it on this ballot. And that's Craig Biggio, mm-hmm. Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, Fred McGriff, Jack Morris, Lee Smith, and Frank Thomas. I'm I'm willing to say it, 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 I'm tempted to go for and add Biggio this year, but I'm going to hold off. I think it's Thomas, Maddox, and Glavin this year. Yeah, I, I I honestly think if Maddox gets in, you you got to put Glavin, and I think they're going to have to find a way to to to, to, to get him in. No oh, question man. about it, because that would just be. I, I, honestly, man, that that that's something Major League Baseball desperately needs. And it's a, this is a conversation we're going to have on our next uh, Touch of All podcast on CLW83.com. We have a, we have one coming out uh, just before Thanksgiving that we recorded last night. A lot of fun talking about all the acquisitions and everything. But in our December podcast, one of the things we'll touch on is the uh, is this very topic, the Hall of Fame considerations. So uh, be listening for that. Absolutely, we'll definitely be talking about that. Oh, by the way. Before we go further, let's talk about our Start 4 contest. Absolutely. Let's talk about how I beat your butt. You beat my butt, man. You won 89-64 to 64 in our uh, game of the day on Monday, which was the New York Knicks taking on the Portland Trailblazers. Now, we must have a disclaimer. I had to make a late switch. Yeah. Because somebody, Mo Williams, wasn't playing because he was suspended. Yeah. But and I think guys if I didn't play at Mo all. Williams, I still think I would have won, so... Possibly, yeah. I, I think with Melo's uh, numbers on Monday, you absolutely would have won because I one of my guys didn't play at all. Metal World Peace didn't do much, even though you had him as well. So, but let's go to tonight's game that we're going to do, and that's for our Start for Fantasy uh, Sports Competition over at two four seven sportshub dot com. You can go there by going to two four seven sportshub dot com, dragging your little mouse and putting it over the other tab on top, letting it drop down, and clicking Fantasy Sports Games, and you can join our two four seven sportshub NBA group. Because that's what we're doing again tonight. We're doing an NBA thing, and you can compete against Jim and I. You get 20 points. You get to pick pick four players from the game using those 20 points, and we base the scores out uh, along of what they do inside the game. So tonight's game that we're going with is the San Antonio Spurs taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. We are deeming that the NBA game of the night, Jim. And here is my four that I'm. Who's your favorite? Serge Ibaka, Tony Parker. Danny Green and Kendrick Perkins. Ooh, who do you got? Well, we only agree on one. We only we only di- we differ on three. I'm going with my main man Russell Westbrook. Okay. I'm following that up with 
Mr. San Antonio Spurs. Tim Duncan. Okay. I'm also going with Boris Diaw. Okay. And we agree on Kendrick Perkins. Okay. All right, so, so we'll there see. You, there you is. So on Monday, we'll uh, talk about that. We'll get the scores uh, tomorrow. And uh, Here's a hit. I'll win. Okay. Possibly. Possibly. But I, th- I think it's a good lineup. I think you got a good one, too. So. Yeah, no, I think uh, we both got to go. I, th- I think it's going to be a good game. I think uh, all four of our guys are going to uh, produce something in this game. So, Talk about good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, my goodness. If you, The biggest story in hockey isn't even on the ice. Huge. This is huge, huge. You're the hockey guy here. You set this up. Well, we got a big TV deal to announce uh, with the National Hockey League, but it's in Canada. It's not in the U.S. here. The NHL and the Rogers Network have announced a landmark, uh, just a monstrous 12-year, 12-year deal, Jim, for $5.232 billion Canadian dollars. It's the largest media rights deal in NHL history and, and, and one of the largest media rights in, in, in Canada. Uh, I mean, this is just a deal that the NHL desperately needed. And starting uh, next season, the 2014-15 season, the deal runs through to the 2025-26 season. Let's hope there's no lockouts during that, or Rogers is going to be pretty pissed. Yeah. Um, of course, it's subject to approval by the NHL Board of Governors, which they are meeting uh, at the beginning of December uh, in Pebble Beach, California. This is a big deal in so many ways, Jim. It gives the NHL the cash influx it needs. It's going to raise possibly the salary cap now for these rosters going forward. And Does I think it help the Canadian that teams that desperately need it, though, yeah, is what I'm saying. There's a lot of teams that desperately need this cap to rise. Uh, a lot of teams out there that uh, you know aren't competing well enough because of the uh, cap. And this is going to help those teams, Jim. By the way, for those of you scoring at home, uh, this is the in American dollars. This is just under five billion dollars as well. So it's pretty pretty even uh, conversion if you're scoring at home. But this is an amazing deal. Rogers pretty much is responsible for all the broadcasting, including Hockey Night in Canada, which will stay on board for the next four years on CBC. But Rogers is the uh, company that will be responsible for producing the games, the editorial content, the on-air talent, so on. And so forth. So Hockey Night in Canada lives, but Rogers is the one that gets to produce it, which is kind of interesting as well. Um, If a Canadian-based team reaches the final, the games on CBC could be simulcast on other networks within the Rogers family. Rogers has Sportsnet, which is uh, the regional networks across uh, the various provinces, and they have the recently launched Sportsnet One, which is going to now really take on some big time uh, gravitas. Hopper. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what does that have to do with the Hopper? I don't know. Just all like saying it. Just about like saying it. This isn't Nesson. This isn't Jack Edwards. This is this is Sportsnet One. Well, I gotta uh, say, you know, Don Cherry does sound like he's got some pastrami stuff. Hey, don't don't go off of the Don Cherry. Uh, I coach with the Bruins, you know. Uh, I like the Hopper. Uh, you know. You see, are you happy? I got to do my Don Cherry impression. Awful. What do you mean it's awful? <laughs> it sounds just like the old bat. Come on. Well, anyway, and it's not just television. It's also multimedia rights around uh, the interwebs and such. You'll be seeing more streaming in Canada. You'll be uh, having different uh, language options, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, and this really eliminates TSN from the equation. TSN is at the national 
cable rights for the better part of the last decade. Oh yeah, they're they're crying right now at TSN. All they've got is the CFL. That's about it. Yeah, they're 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 about done. Um, They'll still do regional coverage with the Leafs, Sens, uh, Canadians, and Jets. In fact, they own a uh, they started up a. Uh, a, a, a quasi network uh, TSN Jets for when the Jets games air. Yeah, the like media is not happy. Yeah, they're they're, uh, you know, it's not good. It's not good. But as they would say themselves, that's hockey. Yeah, uh, well, if they really wanted it, they could have outbidded, but they didn't. So yeah, so there goes the hockey theme. Unless Rogers picks it up, which I don't think they will. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the long story to hockey night in Canada theme, which. Is no longer the Hockey Night in Canada theme. This is a big deal, though, absolutely, because, I, I mean, again, you've got right now the NHL on firm footing television-wise, not just in Canada, but here in the States with NBC. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they signed recently a 10-year deal for far less money, obviously. Mm. I think it's something like $200, $250 million, but that's one of those deals where NBC gets to make some extra money on the side and recoup. Uh, within the deal, so uh, this is this is something uh, the cash infusion, like you said, that is desperately needed in this league, especially for the for the Canadian teams in this league. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, no question about it. It's definitely a, a deal at the NHL, and the teams are real happy about. So and again, hockey night in Canada stays on, so I'm a happy man. All right, real quick, let's take a look at the NHL standings. In the Atlantic Division, the Boston Bruins are at the top of the pack, 34 points, leaving everybody with a 16-6-2 record. In the Metropolitan Division, the Pittsburgh Penguins at the top of the heap, 31 points with a 15-9-1 record. Out in the West, the Chicago Blackhawks at the top of the heap, but only by one point. Uh, ahead of the St. Louis Blues, the Chicago Blackhawks have a record of 17-4-4 in the Central and in the Pacific, the Anaheim Ducks, 37 points with a 17-7 and three record. Um, I see my Flyers try to make a little move, sort of, kind of. Absolutely. But still. All right, man. Real quick, NBA. Let's give some props to former Philadelphia 76. Of course, I had to throw that in there, Jim. Yeah. Uh, Turning at the Hawks shooting guard Kyle Korver. He is a main man. He now has a three-point basket in 87 consecutive regular season games. He has two games and two more three-pointers to go, tying Dana Barris' record in 89, set in both the 1994-95 and 95-96 NBA season. So huge props to Kyle Korver there. I, I, I wish we kept Special K. He was awesome. Here. No doubt about it, man. That was a guy I'd love to see on the next man. But I guess they'll get him when he's 44 and can't shoot no more. So Yeah, well, there you go. It'll be like Brett Berry or something. Absolutely. And you'll follow this story on your favorite new show, NBA Inside Stuff. Absolutely. Have you been watching Inside Stuff, by the way? I haven't. I watched a quarter of an episode, man. Just haven't it, gotten to it. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right without a mod, does it? No, it doesn't. Even All though right, the gal on there is quite attractive. Absolutely. Real quick, let's look at the uh, standings in the NBA. In the Atlantic Division of the East, Toronto in first place, 6-8 and eight record. It's crazy. Uh, Indiana, 13-1 and one in the Central. Miami, 11-3 and three in the Southeast. In the West, Portland, 13-2 and two in the Northwest. The LA Clippers, 10-5 and five in the Pacific. And the San Antonio Spurs, 13-1 and one in the yes, Southwest. All right, Jim, that's it for today's show. We want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in, and we want to wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving. Jim, yourself, happy Thanksgiving, man. Same to you, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to our listeners. Uh, enjoy all the turkey. It's a gluttonous day. Be gluttons, and then just don't go nuts on Black Friday, please. 
Absolutely. So for Jim Williams, I'm Jonathan Raggis. Eat a lot. Unbutton those pants. We'll see you on Monday. Bork, bork, bork.